This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student wellbeing, character development and academic improvement. Welcome to the Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Corr. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project. We're delighted to be able to welcome Claire Madden as our special guest for this episode. Claire is a social researcher, a demographer, a keynote speaker, author, and media commentator. She's in high demand by various outlets, including uh, our, our major media outlets, um, TV host, well known for her authoring of the Hello Gen Z, Engaging the Generations of Postmillennials. And Claire is currently also studying to uh, complete her doctorate in the area of demography, social research, or particularly Gen Z. Claire, what's the particular focus of your studies? Yeah, well, particular focus is Gen Z and Gen Z at work and wanting to understand what motivates them in the workplace. So we, we hear these terms thrown around, Gen Z, millennials, boomers. How do social demographers come up with these fantastically obscure sort of labels yeah it, it is pretty funny and it's it's not an exact science so it's you know different demographers sociologists will have different years that they define a generation and also throw different labels at them as well so um what what i um i define gen z as and uh, it, the generation that follow our gen y so mm. they are the ones born 1995 to 2009 our gen z's um, we just look at sort of 15-year cohorts now because it used to be from when one generation had kids to the next, but mm. that's, you know, 30-something years these days. Stretched so it's, too far. it's stretched out too far. There's so much change. And really it's just about trying to understand are there general um, influences, mm. technology, social and world events. For example, we're going through some pretty mm. significant ones at the moment with the global pandemic that shape then the way a generation grow up and mm -hmm. see the world and interact with the world. And so that's really what um, generational studies is about. And, and is it that that obvious for if, if you keep your eyes out and you're looking at it, are those clear markers identifiable or is it some arbitrary just going to cut the points here? In terms of the years, it is a little arbitrary. Um, there can be some, you know, global events that, that really in that, you know, period of group growing up really – stand out so for example i'm a what they call a millennial or a gen y they're interchangeable terms right. and we and if you were to interview people around my age they'll talk about things that um, you know the mobile phone coming out and the internet and you know starting to use myspace mm. and social media emerging and that really had an impact on our generation shifting from a paper-based world to an online world mm. and so we really did that transition in our sort of high school and university years where where then we bridged that quite easily as a result yeah so the the the, the notion of um the millennial gen y that information age what were the characteristics for your, your gen z's that have captured your interest well, Gen Z, so that they're the ones that follow those millennials. What's what's really stood out is about a few things. One is about how globally connected they are. Mm. So they've grown up 
with these technologies which have constantly and seamlessly connected to the, connected them to their global peers around the world. So they're watching the same YouTube videos, they're sharing on the same social media platforms, mm. looking at the same, you know, Instagram, um, Insta famous people, and 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 then you know, as a result, they they share global memes. They've got a language mm. like which is being created all the time, um, their humour and all this that's become shared as a global community. So there's, they're definitely global. They're very familiar with um, the digital technologies and yeah. often the first language they learn to speak is one of one of technology where... <laughs> the, the, the text message shortcuts. So <laughs> that's <they're>, it. <laughs> and you see a little kid go and, you know, pick up an iPhone and know their way around it as yeah. a two or three-year-old yeah. and so very intuitive with the technology. So um, is that the generation or is that the technology? Is that the... the fact that they've been born into that space and there is a, a shared social conscience or a show, social experience or is it just a clever engineering that somebody knows this is going to be natural? Yeah, well, I think it's a combination. I mean, I think the, the developers are very smart at creating intuitive technology now. Mm. Um, but also, um, you know, compared to say my, my dad's generation, the baby boomers who mm. who want to know, well, what's the right button I need to push, for example, in, in <laughs> say my dad's. They, before they ever go, yeah, tell me. Yeah, that's right. Whereas <laughs> whereas even, you know, a younger person will probably just click a few things and not be afraid to, you know, break the you, internet, you know. Yeah. So so I think there's a, a different approach then in how yeah. they, they, they use it. Yeah, interesting. Now, up until maybe I think around the 60s, 70s, the notion of generations or particularly of emerging generations didn't have such prominence and, there was this the generation gap. Mm. Uh, is that still a feature of the world today that there are these separation between these phases or is it less yeah. distinct? Um, I, I think that there, there certainly are generation gaps in that being that there's a different understanding of what's normal or mm. how the world works or how we relate or um, how to even the language we use or how formal or informal we are. There's, you know, there's certain things that can, ha there can be tension between say, say when you enter the workforce and you're mm -hmm. a young person and you, you know, think work should be done a certain way and that mm -hmm. you should be able to be in social connection with your friends all day because that's what's always been normal. Mm -hmm. And then the baby boomer boss might think, well, no, that's not appropriate and you need to work these hours at the desk and you think, well, that doesn't make sense. I can work from my phone when I'm at home. And so different expectations can create some clashes. Yeah. At the same time, of course, there's more that binds us together than separates us and mm. I think they're important things to look at as well. Um, and yeah, even good. Yeah, a lot of things we actually need as humans regardless of what generation we're in. So just as a bit of a reflection, the notion that there or what I, what I think I hear you saying is that there are like subcultures that exist that are where the most common experience is an age group or a sense of the world yep. that that particular subculture has. Given that we now live in a much more multiculturally diverse, multicultural aware global society, has that increased the, the need to be sensitive to the generational changes? Well, I think we we certainly have more more subcultures now, and you know you can find anyone around the world now and connect with them who might be you know have similar interests to you or mm. um, see the world in a in a similar way. But um, 
I think that there's far more complexity at the same time because everyone has an opinion, everyone has a voice, mm. everyone thinks, you know, uh, that 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 can that, that can be be shared, and and everyone has a microphone. So I think in terms of trying to be sensitive to everything, it can actually feel a little bit tiring sometimes mm. trying to make sure navigate your way navigate, around. Yeah, navigate mm. your way around a very complicated. Mm place and and I think again what can help that is just realizing hey we're all all actually just trying to work out life together no one has all the answers and and listening to one another being slow to speak and quick to listen that's good yeah and I I suppose in a sense that's one of the features of whatever generation is emerging now is the complexity of the world that they're trying to occupy and the cacophony of voices as you say to speak the microphones that they're they've got to pay attention to or or give consideration to at least. Absolutely. I think it's far more complex growing up as a young person now than it was even in my generation, you know, one Mm. generation previous Mm. as as millennials. I think the pressure to have a personal brand at a really young age on Mm. social media and then the the affirmation you get or the likes that you're getting or not getting, Mm. the comments you're getting or not getting, you Mm. know, and that all has an immediate impact on many young people's lives in the Research I've done in the interviews, people would tell me if I don't get a lot of likes quickly enough, I feel instantly flat. And so so it's it's complex when you're a young person trying to work out who you are in the world, your sense yeah. of identity, yeah. belonging, all these important things. Yet now looking to a very unmediated, extremely mm. fickle audience mm. of social media followers who don't even necessarily know you nor mm. care about you and we're looking to them to see if we're getting affirmation and likes and comments from them and I think back in the day we used to have more grounded ways of yes. you know perhaps getting that from people who knew us yes. our youth leaders our sports coaches our teachers our parents and so it's I, I think it's it's created a bit of a fractured sense of self for a lot of young people yeah I was going to ask you about that yeah, being somebody who focuses on the things that generations or groups of of people share common characteristics what does what that done to the sense of the individual do do we still have a sense of the individual or are we just a social construction Mm -hmm. we absolutely do have a sense of individual and i think it's important to realize that in this generational sort of conversation we can say oh gen z are tech savvy or Mm. they're this or that but it doesn't necessarily mean it fits perfectly to every person in that group Mm. it just means there are overarching trends that are probably more um, evident in a group of people who grew up at about the same time. So you're dealing with averages rather than yeah, yeah. clear categories. You're dealing with trends, I'd say, um, more than, you know, if you're a Gen Z, you must mm. <laughs> see the world this way. Of course, of course, that's not not how it needs to be. And and I think there, there are, you know, characteristics that as, as um, whatever generation we're in, we can think, okay, actually, I'm going to make sure that that's not a marker for me mm. because that's a characteristic in my generation that mm. I don't actually want to replicate. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So we've been exploring this notion of of these demographic categories, generational demographic categories as being similar to cultures, subcultures. Yep. Does it then equate to the fact that talking a, a Gen Y person trying to talk to a boomer, is that – cross-cultural communication yeah it is yeah in the same way like you say as as people from two different um, countries that have grown up and have different ways of communicating you'll find that with 
um, different generations, there are different expectations around how they communicate and the, um, you know, even the words they use, um, the expectations they they have, the worldview that we've been shaped mm. with is different as a result of all the exposure we've had at, at a younger age, mm. um, particularly for technology and the exposure for young people and what that's done. And And is this common across different ethnic cultures? Do you see the same generational demographics or is it uniquely Western? Or? It's a really good question and there are um, certain characteristics that are seeming to cut across many cultures, many cultures now because they're such a global generation. So they're being influenced in many places by similar, you know, technology mm. and access and mm. um and the social media platforms and the like, but there are still cultural differences in how that um, is outworked, and mm. there are still, um, you know, the things. Even even in, in America, the the um, young people will talk more about a fear of financial security because mm. they felt the global financial crisis there differently yeah, right. to how Australian young people did. So there will be differences in different cultures. Um, but what's interesting with our Gen Zs is their global connectivity means that they're the most globally, um, I guess, connected youth culture that we've seen to date with more shared with their peers around the world than previous generations had. So almost genuinely global citizens. Yeah, that's citizens right. Citizens of the world rather yeah. than of any particular ethnic or national group. Yeah, they would see themselves far more as global citizens and I think for a, a lot of people, a lot of young people seeing global travel as a rite of passage has yeah. been just a, you know, that's that's me growing up. Yeah. When I finish school I'm going to travel the world for a year or I'm going to do a big trip. or, And and I think that, you know, we've been confronted by a lot of things with this global pandemic and borders mm. shut and hang on a minute, I can't even leave my state now. Um, mm. And that's confronted what's been seen as, you know, I'm a global citizen and mm. I I can travel around the world. Yeah, and the... the um generalising that experience which used to be the grand tour for the elites of of British culture to head off to Europe, now as you say, much more yeah. broad yeah. and much more universal yeah. experience. Claire, I'm, I'm interested, I want to talk with you a bit about what, where do you think God fits into this notion of characteristics, mm. sense of community, socialisation and self. But before we get to that point, you you spoke about the fact you'd broken breaking things up to 15 years, it's changed from when you had kids mm. a generation because it's all stretching out. Mm. That seems a little contrary to the view that everything is speeding up, that we're getting so fast and change is happening so much more quickly. Yeah. How does that work together when one thing is concentrating or compressing and the other is stretching it out? How do you balance yeah. that? Yeah, well, I think it's those two things do work together. So because things are changing so quickly, sociologists are making these, you know, 15-year sort of cohorts rather mm. than 20 years mm. because so much is, has happened in the year, oh, you know, right. in, the tw in that saying. period of time. So they're both but, contracting. So they're both, that's right. Yeah, gotcha. so, so we're saying shorter periods of time because, wow, what, what defines a 20-year-old now is so different so to a 30-year-old. Yeah. So I think that's why there's, you know, there's The shorter. world really does change yeah. in a decade. Yeah. yeah, or yep, even even quicker it seems at the mm. moment. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's good. All right, so let let me ask you that that question. If we if we're looking at how people are finding their sense of self mm. and their sense of of uh, worth, meaning in the context of a social community, 
and the there's the appearance at least that the place of God is losing recognition, mm. it's becoming less important. Mm. Is that something that is true? Do younger generations have less place for God in their shared lives? Well, when we look at the data from National Church Life Survey, which looks at um, the church in Australia, you see that there's a decline in the number of younger people attending church than mm. older generations in terms of, you know, how much they represent in the general population and then what they are in the church population. There's a significant decline in younger generations. So both those populations, young people are smaller proportion. Uh, young people are smaller proportion of the um, of the church population than they are of the national population. Um, and so... Um, similarly, you know, Barna have, have done some research and looked at um, young people's engagement with spirituality and Christianity mm. and, and, and certainly there's been a significant decline through the generations from, you know, what, what our grandparents' generation grew up, um, the values and the, you know, putting on your Sunday best and going to church, that was just normal. Now mm. it's probably normal to put, put on your sport sport outfit and, and uh, go play sport on a Sunday yeah. or go shopping. Yeah. And and so I think that, um, that there's been some significant shifts which have changed um, the way the formation of values for young people mm. because what came through, you know, when people would have faith as part of their conversations and, and family and it was just part of the culture were certain values. And and I think, you know, one of the things about postmodernism where we've been able to whatever your experience of mm. reality is, is is your, your reality, truth. Your truth and and that can be just as valid as that person's, even if they're very contradictory. But part of the problem I think we we've got is that it's very confusing now. Mm. It's like there we've ripped out the rug of, you know, basic building blocks that we can build our yeah. sense of self on because nothing we're not being told that anything is is true anymore. Yeah. It's all relative. And I think that that can be extremely complicated to build your life on. And there's some research that World Vision and Barna did that looked at where young people do have some kind of faith, mm. they're also more likely to have higher connectivity, boosted well-being mm. and um, various factors that, that actually help them through life because they – probably got those structures and values and foundations that can help them navigate. Mm. And, and I think that it's, it's very complex for young people now without even a firm, clear value base. So, so it's part of the problem, and speaking with a bit of ignorance here, Claire, that there used to be the, the transmission of known parameters, known truth, known values from mm. generation to generation with the disconnect or the emergence of independent generations mm. with with their own sense of autonomous truth defining mm. that they've they've lost that sense of continuity of what what has been known and accepted and they're sort of cut free but also cut loose yep. from things that can be solid yeah yeah i I, th I think that's that's a good picture of what's happened so it's there's so much freedom and choose your own adventure now, mm. but there's not a whole lot of um, sort of accepted f um, guidance or frameworks in how we navigate mm. an increasingly complex life, an mm. increasingly complex society. 
And and I think that we all have philosophies that we live out of whether we're aware of them or not. Mm. And I think some of the philosophies that young people have grown up um, being told as normal are mm. things like life is to be enjoyed, mm. life is to be experienced, life is to be fun. Yeah. And those things are good, great. I love it when life's fun. Mm. I love it. I love experiencing great things. Um, I love enjoying life. But what happens when life's not like fun? that? Mm. Or when I'm actually faced with a really difficult thing going on in my family, mm. or you know, there, there's um, sickness that's that's mm. come, or there's some kind of difficulty. Well, my philosophy of life's meant to be fun and enjoyed and and entertained isn't going to help me get through that. Yeah. And and I think that's where we've actually got to think as a generation, let's think about what our virtues are yeah. and what we're actually building our life on because without that we've, we've got a very superficial foundation to actually fall back on when life isn't entertaining mm. and fun. Mm. You, you were speaking before about some research that is suggesting young people or any person that has an element of faith in their worldview, their, their understanding what's going on, has a richer experience of life? Yeah, so the research from Barner and World Vision showed people of faith more likely to show strong connectivity, which is linked to experiencing boosted well-being across several aspects of life. And, and when you think about it, the well-being piece is a huge thing for young people now. Mm. It's that sense of, there's increased anxiety, mm. mental health challenges, you know, depression, and I think some of that is going to stem from not knowing who we are or not feeling mm. connected, not mm. feeling like we belong, that we're known, um, that that sense of self and not not knowing what to do when there mm. is challenge. And and it's they're often, you know, it's thrown around, oh, young people aren't resilient. Well, Maybe we haven't given them the tools to actually know how to build a resilient life mm. because resilience is connected to strong, solid relationships mm. and it's connected to a deeper sense of of being able to hold on to something when the going gets tough. And if we've taken all that away from young people because you yeah. just, you yeah. know, experience whatever you want and have fun and, and if it's not fun, move on, you know, well, that for me in my life ha wouldn't have got me through yes i've needed something more than that yes. and i think that it's it's you know not it, i mean the the coronavirus and covid challenges of everything that we've all been faced with in various ways i think has caused us to actually reflect on life and go yes. hang on a minute is this it what what do we do life's not actually easy right now but what 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 really matters in life and yes. i think we we could benefit by going deeper having some self-reflection for all our generations yes. and uh, helping these young people actually um, work out what they believe on a deeper yes, level. that's good. Let me invite you for a little bit of self-reflection. You, you mentioned that, you know, you, you wouldn't have gotten through with a superficial set of values mm. and and I was, I was interested to ask you the question, as a social researcher, finding there is practical value to having faith, mm. you're a person of faith, Mm. Is that because of the fact that it's it's useful, or is there something more real than just it's it helps me through the day? Oh, it's it's definitely been more real for me than it's just a you know a set of things that helps me through the day. For me, I've grown up um, with faith as a normal part of my family life, and um, for me, my faith's been a great foundation on 
building building a life and helping me understand um, understand life mm. and having having God to you know life's too complex for me to work it out mm. and so um, it's 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 definitely more than a self help guide yeah. it it changes who, who I am yeah I mean it, God gives you all that and your faith gives you all that in helping you navigate life but. I think it goes far deeper than that and it um, it's certainly um, having faith in God has formed who I am. Mm. You mm. mentioned that faith was part of your family. Mm. I'm assuming that was part of your, your um, parents' experience yep. and the home that you grew up in. Yeah. When did it become your faith? How did you know it wasn't just the transmission of a generational heritage? Yeah, well, I remember as a as a little girl thinking, like, wow, I, I believe in I believe in God myself um, when, when I was quite young, but I think it's definitely something that we are confronted with many times in our life. Mm. In are we going to um, keep believing in God, and are we mm. going to keep walking with with God, or are we going to just try <laughs> and and work out life our own way? So you way? had some of those moments where you. Ask the big questions. Well, I think I've asked the big questions when when life hasn't hasn't turned out how you'd think it would, mm. and not so much questioning if God's real. I think I've had an experience of God being very real through my my whole life, but I, I think you know the big questions that you wrestle with God and think, well, well, God, you're good, but why is all this mm. pain here, or this sickness, or this challenge, or this unanswered prayer, or this desire in my heart that's not you know, not happened or and and so they're the things that I think you wrestle mm. wrestle on a on a to make sense deeper of. level to mm. make sense of. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And faith has provided those answers always, or are there still things you are asking God about? Oh, there's always always things you're asking God about, but I think that you realize through your life that, okay, well that season was hard, but I actually did get through it mm. and I am okay and I learned some things and I'm stronger on the other side of it. So I believe God's going to help me get through this season even though it can seem utterly overwhelming mm. at times or very confusing or unfair or whatever it might be when you're, ch- when you're faced with the storm in life because none of, us, none of us choose the valleys that we walk through yes. and we don't choose when we are faced with them. They can happen in a flash. Mm. Uh, the only thing we can choose is how we walk through that, and I think that's where walking with faith mm. is transformative to who you are and, and your life, and and can actually mean you come out the other side better than the the, the valley crushing you or, yeah. or making you turn bitter or angry or whatever it might be. So coming from that place of faith and having a sense of lived that as your own experience, does it change the way you've looked at the the things that these demographic groups that you study have to deal with? Is it given you more compassion or more insight? Or Yeah, well, I would say it's having faith has probably given me a bias for believing in people and good. loving people. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think that it's very easy in society to write off groups of people who are different to us, mm-hmm. to keep them at a distance or give them a label. Mm-hmm. But I think... Probably my faith has formed me in having actually a passion for young people mm. in believing actually these young people are, have amazing gifts and talents yeah, and they've been, 
they've been formed um, to, you know, be the next generation that lead our society. And and so let's 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 actually listen to them. Let's believe in them. Let's help shape them rather than just you know thinking oh they're annoying and they've got their <laughs> earphones in and they're listening to music all the time and they're on social media all the time. Well, let let's just scratch beneath the surface there. So it's yeah. probably formed in me a bias to love yeah, people. Yeah, that's good. And to believe in people. You, you mentioned earlier that things that unite us as people are stronger than the things that might be able to demarcate demographic groups. Yeah. And is that what I'm hearing? You're saying that at, at the heart people are people. Yeah. And we, we ask the same questions and we, we have to face the same issues and we look for the same points of connection, meaning making, even though generations might answer yeah. those questions a little differently. Totally. I think it's fascinating when you when you start to really listen to what any generation wants. It's often to be known, mm. to belong, to be loved, to make a worthwhile contribution, to mm. make a difference in the world. Everyone has a desire that, hey, I want to make a positive impact on this world. Mm. And and I think that they're, you know, they're things that have been imprinted on us yeah. um, as as humans and that we do need each other and we do need all these things and actually we can shape this. Mm. We, we've got the ability to actually create a friendly family or a friendly workplace or a friendly school group or environment and it's not just life happens to us but yes. we actually have the ability yes. to shape this. There's agency. This. Yeah, yeah, there's agency. Yeah, we have good. choice and we have the ability to influence others. When you rattle off those things mm. that young people particularly uh, have as, as aspirations or needs, makes a bit of sense why faith can be such an important answer to those things, isn't it? Because it gives yeah. you a sense of meaning beyond yourself, capacity to make change, be known, yeah. loved, connected. Yeah. Do you think the same things that you can see in society, these these periods of identifiable transition, has the church shown those same sorts of things? Is there a Gen Zs and millennials in church? Yeah, well, in some some churches, they're seeing um, real growth with young people, and um, other churches are seeing a real decline with young people not connecting. And I and I think that some, um, whether it be an organisation, a business, or a church, we I think all need to reflect on how we um, position ourselves and the and the way we communicate, and ask, okay, that might have been really good in the past, and worked really well in the past, but is that actually the most effective way to communicate to people today? And in a business sense, that's customers, mm. that's clients. Mm. In a church sense, that's our community, that's mm. our people. Does the unchanging truth of the, the gospel make sense in this changed community? And and starting where people are at, not, as, not assuming that they have even a, a framework for mm. believing that God's real or, mm. for, you know, things that um, that you know, a, a, an older generation might have grown up and had had instilled in them at a young age. You can't then assume that that's going to make sense to a younger person who's yeah. grown up in a very different society. So, so I think it's about some churches are and um, are much more probably uh, aware of the language that they can communicate in, and language can you know mean yes. multiple things. Um, and it's not about, so you talk about images and mu music styles as much as words. And yeah, and any and community and the way that that's expressed. And young people love being involved, mm. not just being passive consumers. They love being contributing and shaping things and feeling like they're a part of things. And and not just sit down and listen to a message 
that's you know like Delivered. you say not vis- not visual or mm. not not um, engaging or storytelling or and and that's just a foreign world for them so mm. it won't won't necessarily connect so so I think it's um, whatever organization or church mm. or whatever we're in I think to connect in today's society we need to mm. be brave enough to look at the way we're communicating and, and so you're an advocate for finding the way that God wants to be relevant to every generation and God wants to reveal himself in the language of the age. Yeah, well, Psalm 100 says that God's faithfulness continues to every generation. Good. And so I don't I don't think God's scratching his head going, oh, no, this generation. Uh, what do I do now? Yeah, that's right. How he, can I get through? That's <laughs> right. And so I think it's it's more our our own culture and our, our own practices that can get in the way. Yeah, um, yeah. One last question, Claire, before we bring things to a close. We've, we've canvassed this idea that there are common understandings across generations and you spoke a little bit about how different age groups find meaning and a sense of self and believe believe a bigger story about life. Mm. In, a, in a sense, I know this is maybe an unanswerable question, but do you get a sense of who is setting that narrative? If it was once the church or mm. it was once schools or it was what, who now is setting the narrative that gives the frame that young people are trying to operate in? It's a very good question. My first, uh, I guess, thought on that would be probably the, the media as in not just mainstream media but all the media we now create and consume mm. and just how. So Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, whole. TikTok, anything that in YouTube and, and, and then things and messages that are then push to the to mm. the forefront of of what we're consuming on those things and and um that that shapes our narrative mm. it shapes what we so we're almost choosing it ourselves is that by, yeah. by voting for what we like and for what we watch and yeah which then feeds into a sense of you know a very individual kind of society and very you know i can create it myself and do it myself mm. and mm. and there are some you know good things about being able to do do you know, create things ourselves, but then it can break down actually, a, a, yeah. you know, some maybe more values that are actually going to work long term mm. or a sense of community and things like mm. that. So I think it, it really, we all need to probably stop scrolling for a minute and mm. actually do a little bit more self reflecting. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think we feel the big blocks of our life as well as the small spaces with technology. Mm. When we're waiting for a friend, we're just scrolling, we're just consuming all the time now. Distraction. We're distracted and we're not processing emotion. We're not stopping to think. We're not stopping to really reflect on my character, on how I um, am processing a situation, on how I'm treating someone, on if I could have done that better. We literally just push it to the side, yeah. ignore it and yeah. keep scrolling. And I, and I think that whatever generation we're in, we probably do quite well to maybe stop scrolling a little and yeah. uh, a bit more a bit more self-reflection. That's a really powerful a message to to leave with people to say you know whatever sense of agency we might have about shaping a better world mm. the maybe the first place to start is to take some agency about our own world yeah the world we occupy and live and the story we're telling ourselves or, or let it be told to us the story we're listening to about who we are where we fit absolutely if we want to change the world which so many young people I talk to say they they want to it absolutely starts with how we live our own individual lives and what choices we make in our daily life. And if we want to stand out from the crowd, then maybe we need to live our daily life mm. a little different to the crowd. 
Yeah, that's no. good. Mm. Which, which is a bit of the call of what the Christian faith is, right? Yeah. yeah. Not just each, go with the flow. Each one, just yeah. make a stand. That's good. Claire, it's been fantastic to talk with you. Thanks um, so much. Fascinating area that you are involved in. Um, delighted that you're still um, advancing your own understanding of this sort of space, all the very best with your studies. Thanks so fantastic. Much. Probably another book in there. <laughs> Maybe in time, yeah. yeah well, God bless you, Claire. Thanks so much.